tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. Guys, another banger. People get mad when I say they're all bangers. I literally don't say they're all bangers, and I personally try not to say they're all bangers unless I feel like it's a banger. And I ask these guys after the show, I go, what'd you think? And they're like, oh, I love this shit. Dude, the second I, the second I got the email on the topics, I was like, I'm going to love this shit. Chaz of the Dead, man. It was a great episode. That name is great. Yeah, it is a great name. Guys, two, I'm doing two weekends in a row on the road, and I am bringing hammer time, okay? This weekend, Holland, Michigan. I had people going, I live in Michigan. I don't know where that is. Figure it out, man. <laughs> Figure it out. Figure it out. Holland, Michigan. And then you got to know where Grand Rapids is because everybody knows about Grand Rapids. So I'm going to be there uh, three nights. First night in Holland, second night in Grand Rapids, and then third night in Grand Rapids. Five shows. Come get weird. I can't wait to go to Michigan because I feel like I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. And then I'm going to Ohio, and I think Ohio is probably one of the best states to do stand-up comedy in. So I'll be in Columbus first night, Cleveland second night at Hilarities that I love, one of the most beautiful clubs out there. And then I'm going back to the scene of the crime, the Dayton Funny Bone. You're so join me, it. dude. And then uh, the ninth, we're in San Diego again, one of my favorite places to play, the American Comedy Company. And then... Tallahassee, here we come. June 17th, uh, Tallahassee, then June 18th, Jacksonville. All my family's in Jacksonville, by the way. You'll see uh, many different versions oh. of this face hanging oh, out. Really? Yeah. I used to live there now. My, really uh, my, there. my Aunt Connie, who who's like me, left home at 18. She moved to Florida. That's Her whole family's out there. So I'm going to get to see. Uh, you'll see my dad's face everywhere. It's like my father's <laughs> face. Is all over. They all have the Triple E. All triplies. So I'm very excited for that. Just go to samtriplee.com. A lot of great stuff on samtriplee.com right now. If you go down, you got all my tour dates. That's where you buy it. All my premium content. Just click the banners. It will take you right to all my stuff on Rockfin. Tinfall Hat. Premium. Zero, my spiritual podcast. I'm about to upload a murder episode. You guys are going to love which is a weird way to describe a spiritual podcast. And then... uh Conspiracy Social Club. Brian is coming around, bro. I had a conversation with him well, yesterday. Wait, the show's over if he comes around. You don't want to come around It is kind of over, much, so don't come too much, buddy. But uh, Where's he at? I, and from zero to 100. I'd say he's like getting to like 35. Oh, he's got oh, a long way to go. But he's in, he, he like yesterday we had an argument about uh, Dan Crenshaw, is that his name? Uh, from, yeah. And he argued with himself to my point. I literally, he started out like, no, you don't get it. And then by the end, it's like, oh, I totally see your point. And you're like, uh, to debate without debate. That's what it was. So uh, it's a really great show. And I love Brian Kelly. T-shirts are available, man. Go to tinfoilatshirts.com or you can just get go to Sam Triple D. 
What's that? I just sorry. Yeah, I, I saw that. the cameo. Uh, All the shirts. But... I got to come up with some new shirts. Give me some moment. But my cameos. If you want to get a cameo from me, I literally, I do like three minute cameos, man. I like it's a for like not a lot of money, dude. Not a lot of money. So go check that out. And then under that, if you go back, um, you go there. Tim Fall hat. Tim foil hat. Now I have a lot of people asking me about How the telegram. Yeah. Like they're having trouble. Like, where's the fucking link for the telegram? Just go to samtriplee.com and you click the link. And also my zero telegrams there. Can you click on that one? The the only conspiracy. I just want to make sure. Join group. There. So if you download the app, you go to samtriplee.com, it'll literally tell you add group and it'll take you right to the app. People are messaging me constantly about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean we're trying, bro. Wait, see, what was that? See, like I can't because you have to have the oh, app. I see. Okay. You have, yeah. the app. you have to have the and app. And then if you go back to samtriplee.com, you'll see there's also zeros there. My my spiritual podcast. We have about four hundred people, which is fine. Dude, it'll be at a thousand in no time. But I'm like, dude, it's all spirituality, all just how to deal with this chaotic time. And then all my free shows are there. I have so many free uh, audio uh, podcasts for you. Tim Fall Hat, Broken Sim, which we just dropped a banger right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, good one. It's a good one, Big dude. Time. It's a good one. Talking about Bobby Lee's yeah. Care Bear Army attacking you. Ooh. Being called the, the fucking homophobic slur in the <laughs> cutest ways possible. <laughs> Cash A, spiritual podcast. Uh, my sports podcast, we're going to do whenever we can. The most important conversation on the internet, the union of the unwanted with the boys. My my boys, we're crushing on there. Uh, we always had the best. It's one of my favorite shows to do. And then what we do is we go to the vault of two of my premium content shows, Conspiracy Social Club and Zero, and you get free audio of that. So go check that out. Uh, anything else, boys? Are you got a show uh, coming up? No, but uh, we don't smoke the same. We've been doing a lot of giveaways. So as long as you super chat, we're doing giveaways of some T-shirts, some merch. So head over there. We go live and participate. Okay, and Johnny, anything else? Uh, rockfin.com slash Broken Simulation if you want to see the new episode on video and a lot of extra content in this week because I had to cut some shit out. Uh, check that out. All right, guys. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's what the kids call a banger. Mm. Trust me, you'll love it. We go into some really great conversations, and I hope you guys love it, and I hope to see you in Ohio, and I hope to see you in Michigan this weekend. Hey, guys, today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take Athletic Greens every day because I want to – better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, okay? I hate taking a bunch of pills and vitamins. I want a supplement that actually tastes great and want to see what the hype was all about, okay? With one delicious scoop, Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens, all right? It starts your day off right. And it's real simple, okay? It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamins, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, okay? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your, in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash Tim Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Tim 
to take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Enjoy the show. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. All right, all right. So let's uh, let's do something very interesting. As you guys may or may not know, we've done like a kind of a three-part series this <laughs> week purposefully, right, guys? That's yeah, what we of did, course. purpose. We set it up, yeah. <laughs> On purpose. And uh, each episode this week has somewhat led into the next episode. So we got into a very passionate debate on the last episode about Nazis and Nazis in uh, Latin America. And so we're going to get into that. We got in a little bit about uh, aliens with Nazi technology and all that stuff. So here's the final installment of our three-part series. Uh, very excited to have him on. He's a uh, writer, journalist, investigator. Uh, he's been on my uh, premium content, and I'm very excited to have him here. Please welcome, for the first time of hopefully many times, paranormal investigator, Chaz of the Dead. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm awesome. Glad to be here. Um, excited to be part of the show and excited to get into some, uh, you know, paranormal Nazi weirdness. Yeah, those are a <laughs> few of my favorite things. Um, so uh, very excited to have you on. It's been, uh, we, we talked like a month or two ago on the last show, but for those who didn't hear you on that show, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a, a paranormal investigator. I've been doing it for, I guess, more than a decade now. Um, and uh, I do all kinds of stuff, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, um, and kind of look at the connection between the phenomenon and our consciousness. So there's a little psychedelic drugs in there as well. Um, and I try to mix it all together with some some on the ground journalism um, and a kind of new approach to, to researching the paranormal. Um, you can find all my stuff at Chaz of the Dead on all the social medias and Chaz of the is where I post my podcasts, books, uh, articles, all that good stuff. So you've written some books. You've uh, you're you're uh, basically contributing to uh, a magazine that deals with the paranormal. Yeah, absolutely. Paranormality magazine. Um, they're, they're good to me over there. They, uh, carry a lot of my research and, um, yep. Pro the second book is, uh, in the process of coming out soon. Um, can't get into too much details on that one, but the, uh, the first book, uh, paranormal expeditions hunt for the friendship is, um, kind of what got me into um, really looking heavy into UFOs and subsequently uh, Nazis in South America. Um, that ended up being a, a larger role than I expected in my, my investigations uh, into this supposed extraterrestrial group down in Patagonia. Yeah, it's super interesting. So when we get into the paranormal, I think most people think paranormal is only ghosts. What are your thoughts on what exactly paranormal is and what it represents? Well, I, I can't blame people for that. You know, you think paranormal investigator, you think Zach Baggins on Travel Channel, right? That's the natural uh, assumption there. And, you know, ghosts and demons and kind of cheesy, a lot of black expensive equipment that doesn't really do anything. Um, and that's definitely part of it. I mean, that's kind of how I entered the field as more of that hobbyist looking into it for fun. Um, but once you really dive deep into some of the more esoteric ideas and things out there, it gets pretty weird. And the moment for me where I realized that, you know, 
the paranormal is more than just, you know, ghosts in old houses was uh, when I was doing these Ouija board and magic mushroom experiments. Um, and so, you know, the Ouija board, ooh, very spooky. We see a lot of scary movies. Um, <laughs> I, I've had mine for, for many years. Um, I use it to roll my, my doobies on now. Um, <laughs> but uh, back then I was using it, you know, as intended to try to communicate with, with, you know, entities, spirits, whatever. And I figured using a psychedelic substance, you know, a psychoactive substance might help me facilitate that. And I tried weekend after weekend to try to get these, you know, ghostly responses and nothing happened. But in uh, the how moment, much shrooms are you eating? <laughs> well, I was doing various blends of teas. Um, so I went anywhere. I think the lowest was two and a half grams to, I think, up to five was the range. Juicy uh, you see shit know, with shrooms alone. What my dealer had. <laughs> What's that? I said What's you that? see shit with shrooms alone, let alone pulling out the Ouija board and fucking uh, Yeah, I mean, you are dancing with the, the, the crazy at that point, right? Well, that was the, yeah, that was the intent. I yeah, was like, that's what know, I did. Really wanting to experience something and again during these experiments it was nothing i had some good trips you know i had some weird you know synchronicities but not no like spooky voices or phantoms or anything like that but in the times between the experiments i started to see ufos um and i hadn't really ever you know seriously investigated ufos i kind of looked into it here and there went to some hot spots and things um but I started, uh, the first one I saw was this object that kind of burst into a bunch of smaller objects. It was bright orange and it almost looked like a, a satellite or a, like a star warship blowing up in the atmosphere, you know, scattering around. Um, and, you know, I tried to find anything that would confirm that, you know, call local airports and things like that. Nope. No one else seemed to really? know this strange explosion. Um, and I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Uh, a couple weeks later, I'm describing this to a friend of mine, and he's like, okay, sure, dude. Ouija boards, mushrooms, UFOs, you've, <laughs> you've lost the plot. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. It does sound pretty fucking crazy. Um, and then, almost ironically, we start to hear this metallic hum and this triangle-shaped craft light in each corner, this black triangle, a classic UFO shape, just buzzes right over us. I mean, it was low to the ground. I could have hit it with a rock. It was right above the tree line. And, um, you know, it felt intentional. We were having this conversation about how ridiculous it was and laughing off this UFO. And then it was like, ah, oh, no, here you go. And my buddy was not a paranormal investigator. He'd never seen anything like that before or, or since. And, you know, to this day, he's, you know, gobsmacked. You're like, fuck, that was a UFO. There's no other, wo no other words to describe that. And yeah, it kind of just hovered over us and carried on. Carried on, you know, and uh, I have a lot of questions and it's very interesting. So, you know, it's I just did a podcast last night on Zero, my spiritual podcast. And it was, we were talking about how, like, you attract what you are almost basically what you're looking for. Right. Like right. if you're open minded to it, you tend to want to see that. And that's why people tend to see that's why like if you want to like i want to hang out i want to meet i want to be more spiritual you start meeting more spiritual people right you want right. to do scumbag stuff you start hanging out right. with a bunch of scum and then and then dude 
And he brought up something really good last night. It was basically about like when you don't want to do anything, it's kind of crazy how people who you used to hang out with kind of fall to the side, right? Because you're not into that action anymore. And I think that's kind of with all this paranormal stuff that you got to be really in to seeing it to see it. Now, obviously, there are people who don't maybe at one point didn't believe in it. And then suddenly right. see it, but I would say that they probably are open minded to these things, which allows them to to eventually graduate to a point where you see these things. I think that's a big part with Bigfoot. It's like if you don't see it, Absolutely. you're never gonna be able to see it. And but my question to you is is you know, you know, the UFO stuff, uh they that doesn't necessarily mean extraterrestrial right well that, that mean that could easily be a Ameri- uh u.s government military industrial complex uh aircrafts right absolutely and i actually um so my my main viewpoint of you know the paranormal is from that kind of psychedelic um viewpoint that you know our consciousness somehow interacts with reality and between that interaction it just facilitates these super weird things um am i convinced that's 100 no of course not because you know if i was i'd have an alien to show you right now (laughs) um but it's my number one theory my number two theory i passionately call b theory and i think we uh uh, talked about it a little bit on the other show well before we get Um, to that because i want to start from the beginning with you and then we'll get into your B theory. Cause that's a big part of uh, what you want to talk about here. So I don't want to jump right into that, but I, I want to get into, um, Villa Barvia Colonna. Villa Bavaria. Okay. Let's get, it. so that was a big discussion. We had in the last episode, Nazis in Latin America. Johnny mm-hmm. believes there were Nazis in Latin America, but not necessarily Adolf Hitler. Yeah. And I think Hitler did make it there. I could be wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I went in deep on that subject uh, in my book, um, Hunt for the Friendship, um, because this this group I was looking for, this supposed group of extraterrestrial, they were all tall, blonde, and scientists, and they could speak multiple European languages, including Dutch and German in a few instances. So naturally, you know, South America, I was thinking, well, there's, there's, you know, Nazis aplenty down there after the war. Perhaps this could be an explanation for this, you know, alien group. Um, so I went down there to, to Chile and, um, you know, I looked into some UFO angles and things as well, but uh, in my search investigating the Nazi angle, I found a lot more than I expected. Um, the first place I stopped off was a grave site in um, Santiago, Chile, in the general cemetery for a Walter Ralph. Um, he was an SS officer who was famed for the mobile gas chamber, and that was before they set up the big camps. They would basically pack people in these moving vans and loop the the um, exhaust, exhaust right? from yeah. the yeah from oh the my truck God. into the back and just gas them while they were driving around town. You know, they found, the they found that was gas. too inefficient. Yeah, so they, they were. That's, that's why they they didn't continue that because it wasn't quite efficient right. enough. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's like a food truck, and then you get an actual restaurant. Like, you just got to step it up. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, that no, makes it was, sense. But 
Devious. That's crazy. Um, they had it mobile. They, like, how do you just? Yeah, not big enough. That's what it was. It's not just not big enough. Mm-hmm. Well, while they were using it, was it, the bodies. He, it was they the managed bodies. to rack up. I think it was ninety-seven thousand um, people. They believe were executed with that method before they had the the whole camp. And set were up. these like Latins or who were these people that they were executing? No, no, no. no oh, that's so the guy. Was, no. That was the guy. He, that the guy, the our, guy yeah. that he went to the grave of was the guy who, while he was in Germany. Oh, okay. Ooh. All right. I misinterpreted. Right. I misunderstood. It's about technology. Invented. Yeah. yeah. Right. Came up with that idea. <laughs> And wow. he, did he yeah. die? Did he die like a normal death? Like, yep. like he died shit? a free man in Santiago. Um, he he's buried next to his wife and um, his son. Uh, there's rose bushes on his gravesite, like well trimmed, you know, maintained um, rose bushes. And it said that when he was interned there, he was lowered down while they were shy, shouting Heil Hitler." as they lowered him into the, the ground. Wow. Um, yeah, he was an accepted part of the, the community. Um, uh, guys, yeah, so. I hate to tell you this, but there is a, a, a arena in Alabama named after Von Braun. It's not that crazy. <laughs> That's true. We're it's sending true. money to Ukraine right now. It's mm-hmm. not that crazy. It's super tragic, and right. it's, it's mind-blowingly sad but it is not that crazy right. that this ha- it, that this guy died peaceful. I mean, we have people like Henry Kissinger right now, uh, uh, Cheney, Bo- George Bush Sr. died peacefully with his family. Anthony Weiner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's just like so trap. I mean. Yeah. And, and the Chilean government was pretty much taking the same stance as the U.S. government. You know, they saw these dudes as assets. You know, Von Braun was obviously worth a lot more. We got a lot more valuable shit out of him than I think the Chilean government got out of the mobile gas chamber guy. But it was still <laughs> the same thought process. Right. It was like these guys are really good at a specific thing, killing people. And so, you know. Might as well keep a couple of them around. Yeah, um, dude. When they got the draft order, they got so pissed. They're uh, like, oh, we're picking 10th. God dang. There's going to be nobody left by that. You, oh, great. We get the guy with the mobile gas state. Fuck it. I wonder, I wonder what Mexico got. Yeah, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> they were getting all the, the old Soviets. They yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, that's a good point. <laughs> Guys, I want to tell you about our friends at sterlingstockpicker.com. Listen, these are turbulent financial times, to say the least. The key to getting your money to work for you at times like this is to have solid financial advice. Our good friends over at Sterling Stock Picker know what's up and have created software for you to find winning stocks in crypto, even if you are new to investing. Hey, let's face it, stocks are on sale and it's time to start buying shares of companies that are undervalued. It's time to get your money to start working for you instead of you working so hard for it. Did you know the elites line each other's pockets using their company stocks? The key is to figure out which stock to buy and start racking in profits. Sterling Stock Picker shows you when to buy, sell, hold, or avoid, okay? I love it. It's a, you know, I've talked to these guys. We've uh, had conversations. They are in line with Tim Fall Hat's values, okay? And if you look at the, the the interface that you actually will be using when you're using Sterling Stock Figure, it's really easy to understand. They explain everything point by point. It, it's perfect if, if you just kind of want to 
dip your toes in or if you're somebody who's really advanced at stock trading it's really a great service so let's face it you work hard for your money don't you think it's time you start getting your money to work hard for you the stock market has been around for 120 years more millionaires are made from investing stocks than any other asset class sterling stock picker was created to help you get better returns than mutual funds and start investing in stocks that are crushing it during this pandemic the software is truly unique. I like that you can be a brand new investor and find winning stocks in three clicks. There's even weekly live streams by the founder who shares which stocks to buy and what to sell. So you'll always be in the know. This is what I want you to do. Head over to sterlingstockpicker.com slash tinfoil hat and grab your full free 14 day trial. That's sterling, S T E R L I N G, stockpicker.com slash tinfoil hat. You'll be glad you did. Uh, but yeah, so Villa Bavaria was kind of this institution that was set up with that same idea in mind though that we've got these nazis they're good at killing people let's fucking use them and it wasn't called villa bavaria back then it was called colonia dignidad or dignity colony mm -hmm. um but a lot of people met a pretty undignified end uh at this this compound um and i actually went out to it it's in the middle of the andes mountain uh, miles away from any anywhere there's no bus route or anything I had to take uh, a bus to a village and then go up and knock on some guy's door and, and ask him to take me <laughs> to the rest of the way. That's what they told me to do at the bus station. So, so I did. Um, and he drove me, you know, a few more hours into the, to the mountains and to past these old abandoned guard watchtowers wow. and fences um, to this small little German themed community <laughs> called Villa Bavaria. And they've got, a, a little hotel. They've got like wood burning fire. Uh, oh, there's still people there. Hot tubs. Yep. There's still God. German descent people living there. Um, and uh, good German restaurant, good uh, sausages and beer. <laughs> um, but it, back in the uh, uh, 70s, 80s, this compound was set up by a man named Paul Schaefer and he was eventually arrested um, for pedophilia. And he basically ran this, you know, pseudo Christian death cult, Nazi death cult out in the middle of the, the mountains. Um, and he used it to prey upon children, but the government used it to make people disappear. Um, Pinochet, the dictator who seized control of Chile with the CIA's help. It was a, a CIA-backed coup um, which is all just, you know, public history in Chile. They're like, yep, the CIA stepped in and helped Pinochet. And they killed the guy that was elected, the socialist, and seized control. Um, and Pinochet would use this compound to get people just disappeared when he, you know, wanted them to either be tortured for information or things like that. They'd say, send them to the Germans. And, oh my god dude uh, yeah they think upwards of 500 people were were executed out there and buried and we just have no idea where they're at <laughs> they're, it's officially no one knows where those those graves are at um man when you're a murderer a, and a pedophile you've done this trip all wrong <laughs> yeah you've and, really and, messed up your journey bro he, he served as a Nazi. He was a medic um, before he, you know, um, he actually, I think, 
ended up working after the war for the Vatican shortly. And of course, <laughs> of course he would, because he was a pedophile. Well, and you know, they kind of shuffled him around till he ended up in South America and started this, this, you know, death cult. Um, and the way they initially sold it to the local government is, Oh, we'll build a hospital. And they did. And, um, as part of this hospital, they would, you know, torture and experiment on people. Mangala served a couple terms. Oh, at the wow. Dr. Mangala. Uh, well, it became one of these locations that are throughout South America where they would shuffle the most wanted Nazis like Mangala um, and Eichmann and some of these other most noted Nazis that couldn't stay in one spot for too long because they were afraid of getting got. They would, you know, spend a couple months there and then they moved to the uh, Belorche was another town in Argentina. A lot of people think Hitler lived out there um, after the war. Um, but it was thought that because it was known as one of these spots, there was this hotel where you could show up pretty much any time of the year and there'd be a couple SS officers just, you know, hanging out, having drinks, <laughs> chilling at the bar. So um, before the war was over, I'm guessing they had a treaty with the president of Argentina or Chile, like, hey, if shit goes down, we're going to head over there. Uh, it, it wasn't an official treaty. It was kind of a more unspoken thing, right? You know, they, they remained neutral during the, the, the war, most of South America. Um, you know, they, and by neutral, they hedged their bets. They were kind of playing both sides, waiting to see how things went out. Um, but, you know, as things began to collapse, since they were playing both sides, they had these, you know, the precursor to the rat lines kind of already set up. They had these um these places where it was um you know known that it was mostly german and before long before world war ii and that kind of stuff even before world war one um chile and argentina specifically set up like these german themed towns like they were specifically to attract scandinavian and german tourists um so a lot of these dudes had just aunts and uncles who lived over there you know it was kind of like how like a lot of british people have family who live in spain <laughs> you know what i mean it was just like oh yeah that's where old people go to retire it was kind of like their you know late 1800s florida it's just weird <laughs> that you would set up a place that's kind of like their home Right. Is that like kind of weird? Yeah, that's the that's one of those things about like Austin. You know, people are moving to Austin now and making it like LA. You know, yeah. like why the yeah. fuck did you move to Austin? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's the same thing. Or did I tell the story before about how I would work at PF Chang's in Vegas and they would have Chinese people visiting businessmen and they would take them to a Chinese restaurant. You're like, they're from Why China. I want, want that. Yeah. Take them to like Domino's Pizza or like to like a Burger King. Like, get them in and out. Oh, you want to impress yeah. them? Get them in and out. Yeah, that's like taking somebody to America and taking them to, you know, Miko Donald's or something. You know, it's like a kind of a pale imitation of what they're used to. You're right. The same thing that? with Austin. You're like, if you hated LA, wait till you get to Austin. We're the exact same thing. Welcome. <laughs> with the heat yeah and with the humidity right yeah, so it is it is uh it's super interesting and you know they could pull this off for the law it's like 
It's like when you go, okay, the CIA ran a coup, you know, the the Vatican. I'm like, yeah, because they're all the same thing. They're all working together. <laughs> Nazis, the Vatican, yeah. the CIA. They're all working together. So there is this giant system that's set up to shuffle people around. And, like, with no internet, it's like, yeah, it's real easy to, like, lose somebody down there. And, like, mm-hmm. like if you're a, like, not to be disrespectful if you're a peasant in, in like in latin america how much of world war ii do you know about yeah can't be yeah can't you be don't too really much, care <laughs> right you're in the middle you, you're lucky if you got electricity at this point you're just farming working yeah. fucking calling it a day right that's yeah. it I mean, which you is just a great know life a few images you'd seen in the newspaper I that'd mean, be it yeah. especially if your country's not even part of it right. are they even are they even Putting it on the news type of show. No, according, like, yeah. you know, according to Chaz, they would they decide to get neutral for a reason, right? And then, right. then all these guys start coming down. You're like, they're pretty shady Germans, but hey, man, I don't know. He keeps buying my tamales, right? So I'm cool. With them, they right? pay in gold. So. Yeah, they pay in yeah. this evil well, again, gold. They, they which had is, all these German communities that were already set up down there. So you know, if you declare war on fucking Germany, you're gonna piss off, you know your whole immigrant population who you've been trying to court and get over there. Cause you know, no one wants the guy to gave me eight gold teeth for a turkey last week. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what's happening in France right now. Right? Like France is like very much anti-war in the middle East because they have such a giant Islamic population now through forced immigration. So it's like, they're less likely to want to, Get involved in all this craziness because of their population. Because, you know, I mean, they're going through their own shit. So Latin America totally makes sense that you would hide these people. Then you got, you know, we talked about before. I'm sorry, but Ghislaine Bunchins, right? Like that is a straight or whatever. What's her name? Gazelle Bunchins. Gazelle Bunchins. Gazelle. Okay. Ding the thing at home if you if you have that. (laughs) Well, you got Ghislaine Maxwell on the brain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I do have her on the brain. But that's uh, who I thought he was talking about. But no, uh, (laughs) but Tom Brady's wife. What's her name? Gazelle. Bunchen, yeah, Bunchen. Is Bunchen. How you say yeah, Bunchen. I mean, like that is as German a name as you can get. <laughs> like she's super German, dude, and she couldn't have married yeah, more of an dude. Aryan motherfucker than Tom Brady, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck Tom Brady, right? Go, I mean, hey, so Josh Allen, go Bills. <laughs> I mean, you look at her; she's like, she's like German, man. But she has Brazilian, like she, but she claims to be Brazilian, but she is German, dude. Yeah, and they, they, no, they, it's pretty bizarre how the Nazis got pretty chill about the race thing once they moved down to South America. Yeah, that is great. You're Brazilian right. women changed them for the better, dude. <laughs> this is my whole theory about racism and and pussy. I don't care how racist you are, you'll bang a hot chick in whatever group there's a grand wizard out there the clan that would knock the bottom out of beyonce without even wouldn't even think <laughs> twice about the whole time he'd just be looking both ways see if anyone was watching but he would fucking do it yeah he would do it it's but the like, difference is a, a racist chick won't now that is the one flip like that's a black a, a chick that doesn't like black guys will never suck a black dick She's yeah like, right? there's no uh, way yeah that is weird but guys guy, don't care don't dude. give a fuck you know, they're any race like, has got a bone Beyonce. Yeah, they're burying mm-hmm. bones wherever they can at that point. Um, so your theory, what is your thoughts on Adolf Hitler? Did he make it down there? 
So in, in my book, I posit a pretty interesting theory that I'm, some other historians, you know, smarter than me have suggested. Um, and that was, you know, towards the end of the war, he handed over final control to Carl Donitz, um, who was the final Fuhrer of the, the Third Reich. He was Reich. out of the Navy, right? Um, yeah, he was in charge of the Navy and the submarines. More specifically, before he was admiral, he was the guy who set up all the unrestricted submarine now, warfare. Now, did he get the gig because he was he was kind of a Western-friendly, sort of a guy that wasn't involved in as much of the Final Solution shit, right? He was more of a statesman. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was sold to him that, you know, you'll take over. And it was actually kind of to get him out from some of the submarine shit, which was, was pretty brutal. Yeah, exactly. Civilians the, on killed. the seas, right, yeah. What the, the idea was he they targeted civilian ships on the seas. The 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 right. fleet. Uh, they targeted civilian ships like trade and stuff. Oh, okay. And a lot of civilians died that way. So he's saying that they perhaps moved to spare Dernitz the uh, the judgment from all oh. that by making him the head of state toward the end of the war. Uh-huh. Right. The idea is Donuts would spend the last couple months surrendering all of the, his forces to the to Western allies, specifically avoiding the Soviets and trying to surrender to, you know, the. the yeah, they were all racing there. to dude. They were racing to surrender mm-hmm. to the West, not to the Soviets. Soviet they were all wanted really? to surrender. Yeah, 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 dude. It was I mean, it was a big race of all the high level Nazis that were still in Germany at that time to surrender to the West because they knew they would get better treatment. And the Soviets right. who had well, just they were lost fighting half Soviet soldiers yeah. without shoes and with like these old muskets. Like the Soviet army was not well equipped, and that's how they were treating their soldiers. So the Nazis <laughs> knew <laughs> that the the prison camps they were being sent to uh, in Russia were were not uh, a place you'd want to be. Oh. Um, so Donuts kind of set it up as like a peace bringer at the end of the war, like himself that he was going to you know, cool things out. And, um, it, it worked from our perspective. He only got, I think like three years or something in prison after the, the whole thing went down at the Nuremberg trials. Um, and he was pissed by that. He thought that was outrageous. He thought <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> he was like fucking livid. That he Those trials are fascinating, time. huh? The trials. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd love oh, watching yeah. that. But like, you see like Goering who thought, he thought he was going to be this guy, you know. He thought, oh, he, mm-hmm. he kind of welcomed the, you know, he surrendered himself and welcomed in the, the and it was like trying to be chummy with all the. I mean, if you there. read the devil's chessboard, man, I mean, they get into like a lot of these Nazis thought they had deals and they were pretty brazen with how they were uh-huh. acting. With They were just, they were openly talking about all the shit they did because they thought they had deals, which again, Gets into like how much of the history of the Nazis is what is real versus what we're told. Yeah. Right. Like we like our whole notion, Chaz, is right now is that these guys were on the run, right? They were on the run. But were Mm -hmm. what if they weren't on the run? What if they sacrificed well, they a couple Some of these of guys? Von Braun wasn't on the run. My point is, like, it sounds, it sounds like if you take the, uh, if you zoom back and you look at everything going on, it doesn't seem like a lot of like hiding and running. Yeah. It seems well, I mean, more it of a rebranding. Depends on who you were. Like Goering, right. I mean, the ultimate mercy he got was somebody slipped him a cyanide pill or whatever, and that he he chewed right. on instead of getting hanged, and that was some people, and some people got out. Yeah, it's. 
I mean, then you then you had guys like. Well, uh, because I think that needs to, that's the theater of the moment. Because if we're gonna push this notion that the Allies beat the Nazis, right, which yeah. was probably more Russia than the West. Let's face it; they sacrifice mm. a lot of people. Okay. Well, hey, that's now. That's I'd like to ask him about that. What do you think? Sam's got this idea that the Nazis somehow won the war. Still. I, I do think that um, definitely a lot of, of high brass Nazis were absorbed into, you know, our, you know, military and our civilian sciences. And it's definitely had a lasting impact on, you know, the ideology of some of these these groups, um, though. I think a lot of the ones in South America, those were definitely the guys who got left out like they they were the ones who had deals who who fell through um, and. And, you know, in Villa, Villa Bavaria, they have a like a barn that's turned into a museum and they're pretty honest about it. They're like, yeah, this was one of those stops on this like underground railroad of Nazi prisoners. And oh, um, so Adolf Eichmann was an example of what happens if you try to get off the the uh, train because he stayed in Argentina in one city for too long. He like was a principal at a school at this German school down there. And the Mossad, you know, <laughs> grabbed him off the street one day, threw him in a van, flew him to, drove him to a private um, airstrip, illegally flew him back to Israel, and he was yeah, hanging illegal. the next day. I mean, that was famously illegal. Mossad, that was a oh, whole yeah. like undercover. There's oh, a great, there Argentina are a couple of great films about it. Pissed. Yeah. Argentina was pissed, dude. Mossad like illegally uh -huh. flew into the country, pulled this guy off the street, you know, and they had to make sure it was him. You know, they weren't a hundred percent sure until the last moment. And then they, they, yeah, and they took him back for trial. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Again, this, and, and listen, man, every great facade, and this is just me yeah. sticking to my guns, there's a lot of people believing it. And there's a lot of people who pl who are playing into the narrative. So the notion that, that, that people in Israel would want to, like, get these guys totally yeah that makes sense because we this this narrative was set up but you're right even there are a lot of famous like albert Speer. i mean he went to jail he was hitler's top architect guy i mean he he designed all those buildings that were going to be you know the new berlin that whole modern era and he he went I, I, he if he went to jail for like a couple of years or something yeah you're he, like he, oh dude we gotta get him but he did three years oh I mean, and, you I know, mean, and he died well, in that, peace i mean he interviewed on 60 minutes to, and shit that does go back to um, Carl Donuts because he also famously said at his Nuremberg trial that the Fuhrer has constructed a hidden, a fortress hidden in paradise on earth. And um, that's the quote a lot of people like point to and say that there's a secret Nazi Antarctic base. Um, in my book, I suggest that it could be a secret Patagonian base, um, you oh, know, associated with this friendship group um, because Patagonia is probably closer to a paradise than Antarctica, but he did again throughout the trial make these vague threats and implications that like the Nazis had continued, like that they weren't done yet. And again, they only gave him three years. That's my whole him, thing. He, like him talking shit. Why like was he that. saying? So it that? is pretty bizarre. Was he talking <laughs> shit, or was that like a secret message to the? The Nazis that were still why was he, what was his motivation for saying that during the trial? Oh, he was on he was on trial like he was uh, like defending his actions and shit. And again, he was an arrogant asshole. But like what, what I'm saying, was, you're saying he's like bragging, basically. 
Yeah, he was okay. he was saying even now we have like these operations that are are continuing. So, That's like, my point, know. dude. I mean, you, yeah, you don't think there was plea bargains or like, hey, I'll tell you so and so, let me off. Yeah, well, but yeah. the fact that he's on like, the trial is on trial is what to me means that they well, lost. My, I just don't think they as, won. As I understand it, this was like a heated like exchange between again, like he was being questioned, like he already knew he was going to get time and he was pissed about it. And he was like, yeah, fuck you guys, whatever, you know, send me to prison. Um, You're not going to hang me because whatever deal he had already reached, he already knew he was getting a pretty fucking sweet deal. Um, And yeah, he was basically getting heated and making these bold, brash kind of claims. And again, they gave him three years. So Johnny, I mean, Dulles, it is insane to me that Dulles has an airport named after those brothers for what they did to this country. And it's like I said, I'm broken, Sim. If you have a street or a building or something named after you in Washington, D.C., you're most likely a war criminal. <laughs> right? I mean, it's it just is. the truth. You know, that's funny that they'll take down a statue, but not like they'll name a Von Braun stadium after and no one's bitching about that. Right? I mean, that's just it. You're more and more. It just keeps coming that there like there was this theater and like, and sadly, as the generation of the Holocaust begins to pass away and the emotional ties come to it there will be more and more discussions of a lot of these things and it's just gonna be the way it is and and it just sucks because i think a giant con i mean dulles actively worked to get as many of those nazis over here i mean it just like everyone's like we drafted them or they just walked over and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this job. I want to do this job. I'm going to have a job here. I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. And it just becomes part of this giant uh, international system. But morally, they should have fucking been jailed, at least. They should all be all killed. Or if the, yeah, if hang, the story no. is that we're told is real, we they should have all been executed. Well, that just proves, that, I mean, that just shows you how cynical our government is. If they had any sort of knowledge that could be useful to us, we were going to get it out of them. And, you know. That, uh, and then you kill him. Yeah, yeah and then you kill him. If you look at Nuremberg, though, like Rudolf Hess, who was probably insane. I mean, this is a guy who, during the war, got in an airplane in Germany and flew <laughs> to Scotland to negotiate a, a peace treaty on his own by himself. Landed, you know, crash landed, and I, I think he ended up in like the countryside of Eng- North England. Maybe I don't think he quite got to where he wanted to. That's how, and then he just ended up in jail. The rest yeah, of, the of course, war. they're but probably during, you, all tweaking, if bro. If you watch him during Nuremberg, though, the trial, he's trying to. The, the other Nazis are convinced he's putting on an act, and he's just like bobbing his head around and lo- like looks like he's tweaking the whole time. It's great. Dude. I'm sure, bro. You would love it. You should watch it sometime. It's can wonderful. you live stream it on YouTube? I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> Pop it up there. Um. So, so if you had to guess, do you think Hitler made it to Latin America? If you had to uh, guess, the big one. well, I, I think um, uh, I'm a betting man, so I don't think I would n- take that bet with the evidence we've got. Um, I think the evidence is 
really interesting. Again, there's a couple places there in Bariloche. There's this house that used to be only accessible by boat, like across this lake in the mountains. And people said Hitler was living up there. There's a, a photo from Brazil of a dude who definitely looks like Hitler. With like, would some you Brazilian. say okay? But would you say he definitely 100 committed suicide, and that the Russians? Oh have no, his, I don't believe the suicide story. I don't believe the suicide story. I definitely wouldn't bet on that story either. I don't think there's any evidence there. They they looked at the skull fragments they had, and they weren't his. Um, so that that story, I don't necessarily believe it. And again, Carl Donitz was the guy who had all the routes and had all the submarines at his command. So if there was anyone who you'd be like, all right, here, I'm going to give you this sweet bargaining position. You put me on a submarine and get me the fuck out of here. Let's let's, you know, make this happen. That would have been the, the guy to do that with. And there is a theory that he lived on one of these advanced submarines just forever like the, the submarine just kept landing at these little oh. you know nazi friendly pit ports stops, little reloading and then leaving but that, okay um, i i would say the reason i think that one is that's a no no go is because i mean those submarines of that era were misery yeah and he mm. was i mean everything we've seen of him toward the end of the war he was very unwell this was a sick guy from everything we've seen and heard about right. him Toward the end of the war, I don't think a guy like that could have survived. He needed medical care toward the end, man. If you look at it, right on a submarine, well, like that. there are lots of reports. So we know historically, a ton of Nazi U-boats were washing up in Latin America, South America after the war. <clears throat> One and a ton of them were just going into harbor and surrendering it. <laughs> and almost all the time, there was some super fishy shit going on with those crews. Um, the crew manifests were always thrown out, so you never could be really sure who was who. <laughs> um, one instance, they had, like, there was clearly, there used to be a gun on the top of the U-boat, like this big gun that they had just, like, wedged <laughs> off. <laughs> and they were able, and, like, a few days prior, a, a Brazilian cruise liner or a cargo ship, I believe, was sunk by a, what was believed to be a Nazi U-boat. So they were pretty sure those That's guys so were responsible. crazy, um, right? Wasn't there one that was out there really late, too, like even after the war had ended? That, that so there was one in the 60s that showed up in a harbor in um, Argentina. And like there was even at the time, like some papers were saying it's a sea monster, but all the, the Navy sailors that were deployed by Argentina were saying that they were told it was a Nazi U-boat. It was one of these late era wow. Nazi U-boats. And again, wow. it's like 62, 63. So That's crazy. it's long really, after the yeah. war and they try to blow it up, um, you know, and they, you know, accused the U S and they accused Russia and the U S even sent a bunch of depth charges, like from our Navy to their Navy to be like, it's definitely not us. I hope you can blow it up. <laughs> like here's a bunch of free bombs, ghost boats, um, bro, ghost boats. So, so <laughs> as, as you know, and, and I want to get more into this, this alien or this unusual village of people. Uh, you know, Nazis have been well known to believe in the occult and believe in the, uh, you know, the, the, the Operation High Jump is a, whether that's real or fake, I mean, that's the debate with Admiral Byrd and the Nazis. And I mean, like, all we hear is New Schwabenland, right? 
New Schwab in land, and who's the guy trying to run everything right now? Klaus Schwab, the the WEF, and all that crazy shit. You know, they got the WEF has their own police now, and like the uh, the badges uh, are Ares, which is the uh, god of death, and oh, orange, which is the color of death. I mean, like, what are we doing here? I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like the guy whose dad supposedly had his own like putt putt golf course on uh, on on in in uh, 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 you know Antarctica. Hey, how, how long is he supposed to live for? How old is he? No, but this is his kid. Yeah, I know, but how old is is George? Is he who George Soros? I don't, dude. Or, I mean, Klaus 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 what he, what yeah, he is and, and what he and looks is like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, aren't they supposed to be like almost dead, Klaus Schwab's as well? As, as well? No, Klaus Schwab looks much younger than George Soros. He's 84. Klaus Schwab is 84. Klaus Schwab is 84. 84? See what I mean? Like, yeah. how much longer has he got around? I mean, dude. I mean, uh, for an evil fuck, that guy is, looks Soros, pretty Soros young. Soros is 91. Oh yeah, I mean, like, it's like, the evil that keeps you young. Yeah, it's, it's the e like that, that sounds like a perfume, a perfume commercial. My great grandmother's 101, and she's it's a saint. The, <laughs> that's it's it. the evil that keeps you young. Pickled and evil. So, so what are your thoughts on that? You know, we have this, you, this tribe, this group of people in Latin America speak a billion languages. One of them is German. German tall. Blonde, blue eyed. Tell tell us a little bit about that. The aliens' connections to the Nazis. So yeah, this group's called the the Friendship. That's what they call themselves. And so interestingly weird. enough, they use the English word the Friendship. You know, in their you know Spanish speaking Chile. So it's one of the first many bizarre details of this group. Um, and they're elusive. They live somewhere in Patagonia and that's based on the interactions they've had with people in various ports, you know, around um, that area. And for those who don't know, Patagonia is that Southern end of uh, South America where it's all a bunch of tiny islands. Um, there are fjords, pebble rock beaches, mountains that turn into, you know, right into the ocean. Um, some really stunning, beautiful land, but really remote. Not many people live out there. Like the only thing economically out there is fish farming. They've got these salmon farms periodically, but other than that, it's just empty wilderness in these few tiny port towns. And throughout starting in the eighties, um, people in these towns started having this weird interaction with these tall, blonde um, humans, essentially. But they were claiming that they were aliens from the center of the universe. Um, and it's very reminiscent for those who are into their ufology. It's very reminiscent of the contactee, um, you know, early 50s kind of alien encounters where aliens were, you know, humanoid looking and, you know, they had some similar interactions. They were interested in us like sexually, but instead of probing us, they like appear as a hot blonde lady and just fuck one of us. Um, you know, and no again, <laughs> it was a much nicer approach back then. I don't know why they changed, but they did. Um, <laughs> this kind of humanoid, you know, people from Venus, people from Mars, those kinds of stories. The friendship kind of embodied those contactee early, early UFO encounters. Um, but again, those were in the U.S. in the 50s. This is much later in the 80s. And these, all of this group, they are um, around their 30s, 
late 20s mid to mid 30s and they each one was named after an angel ariel gabriel you know these angelic catholic names interesting think about the nazi rat lines the vatican was one of the the best lines to get out of south america 100 percent 100 percent um but again the the dates are off right we're talking about the 80s and yeah villa bavaria was started in the 70s and was into the 80s but that was again mostly a lot of really older nazis and a lot of second generation families and things um the friendship group doesn't have that range there's no old people there's no children they're all in that middle line which could just be a eugenics thing you never know nazis. yeah it sounds like some children um, of the corn shit right <laughs> right it's it's very bizarre um, and each one was a specialist in a specific science. You know, they had a, a medical doctor, they had a chemist, they had a geologist, and supposedly they were mining these minerals, platinum and gold from under an island somewhere in Patagonia. And they would always trade with people with these, you know, platinum coins and gold chips. And on one instance, they gave uh, a woman after they accidentally destroyed her boat, they gave her a suitcase full of counterfeit cash. But when she took the counterfeit cash to the banks in Santiago, they were like, no, it's good. Our machine says it's fine. You can use it. And she's like, it all has the same serial number. How can it be fine? And they're like, the machine says it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, why would you fight that? Why is she burning herself up? <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, take it all. There we go. There no, we go. Move she, right along. she was smart. She immediately bought jewelry. She turned it all into jewelry. <laughs> And so it was, she wouldn't, you know, get fucked with trying to get it exchanged or anything. So she got it, you know, her money's worth. And in addition to that counterfeit cash, they gave her these lumps of platinum, which she ended up turning into jewelry and she got it tested later on and it was pure platinum. Um, wow. And so um, others had even stranger interactions. A few people um, have been invited to their island. One was um, Ernesto de la Fuente. And he had this lung ailment and it was documented. There's some debate as whether it was a tumor or like some other like kind of mass inside of his lungs. You know, there's this argument about the exact medical aspects of it, but he did have some kind of lung issue. And after he visited this Island, it was like perfectly, it was gone. It was miraculously vanished. And, um, Again, this guy claimed a lot of weird shit. He didn't really remember anything, though, like a typical alien abduction encounter. And then he went through some hypnosis and he remembered some stuff. And then as the years went on, the story got crazier and wackier, which, again, happens with a lot of these UFO accounts. So what happens? They end up, is it that they end up remembering more or are they just like bored of the story? So they just like... <laughs> Oh, you want me to tell it again? Fine. I'm going to tell this well, one. <laughs> that's the internal question. You know, some people say they make it up for money. Um, but Ernesto de la Fuente, he always was talking about a book that would come out. But to my knowledge, it never came out. Um, you know, no one who goes through this really ends up making a bunch of money. They might get into the local news for like a couple days. Um, but that's pretty much, you know, the end of it. Um, as for the hypnosis thing, I don't know. I, it, for me, it always hurts the story once you add the hypnosis because we've got proven evidence. Other investigators have done experience, experiments where they take a person who doesn't believe in alien abductions, 
hypnotize them and, you know, do like a mock alien abduction while they're hypnotized and they wake up and they believe in alien abduction. So <laughs> it is, the, mind, the, the human mind is definitely it's I malleable. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine uh, your abduction story treating it like stand up. Which everyone gets the best reactions, how you keep using yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, some super crazy. It's like every well, yeah, episode. and that's how hypnosis works. It's a, like a dialogue between you. And, like you have to be willing to, you know, accept the hypnotism. It, so yeah, it, it definitely tarnishes a story. Um, Ernesto de la Fuente. I mean, it tarnishes the credibility. Let me say that because the story is fucking great. Because <laughs> he was talking about psychic dolphins that would like patrol the island and like, you know I keep on guard and yeah russia's using trained dolphins now too so it's kind of fucking weird that he called that back in the 80s um, the russians are using psychic dolphins right now no they use dolphins not psychic regular like, dolphins or like um you know submarine fucking shit bombs submarine bombs they'll go and poke it to see if it's a bomb but they'll let the dolphin dies mines. instead of mines. yeah mines. There we go. So the dolphin hits the mime and dies. No, no, I don't. It's like they got like lasers and cameras. I don't know shit. They're like trained to do yeah. things. I don't yeah. know. Intelligence. Got, I read that potentially they could be used to like kill divers who are trying to sabotage. Yeah, boats yeah, I heard about it. that. Yeah. Hold, hold on. I don't know if that's ever happened, but that sounds cool as fuck. Dolphins are smart as fuck. I wouldn't be surprised. But they got they got uh, dolphins with lasers. Like on their port, like on their, like on their, like on their, I mean, it's Russians, and we're not really sure, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, we, we don't know if they, they actually work or if that's just yeah. like a big fucking goof, you know. <laughs> but we, we've done weird. Dolphin. Look at John C. Lilly and his dolphin experiments. He got some lady to fuck a dolphin. So yeah. we've done some weird stuff on our end, too. Red Band has a joke about dolphin rape. That seems to happen. <laughs> that's a little the bit least more. surprising thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Seems to have a little bit. What is that? A Russian naval base is defended by dolphins. It's not as unusual as it sounds, according to this. Uh, Russia's military is using specially trained <laughs> dolphins to defend a critical naval base off Crimea. Uh, no, that's timely. Uh, submarine analyst H.I. Sutton wrote, wrote this week uh, for the online news and an analysis outlet, which is editorial. Who, who cares about this? Uh, satellite imagery from Maxar Technology shows two dolphin pens at the entrance uh, to the harbor there in Crimea, uh, Russian Navy's most significant naval base in the Black Sea. So Damn, I guess, yeah, I dude. guess it's, well, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck. The troll is. dolphins. Yeah, but, <laughs> so, yeah, this Chilean alien contact E dude said this is the same kind of system they were using to patrol uh, the friendship. It's exactly island. what you say uh, here. Dolphins would be ideal for killing human divers, fast, clever, and powerful. There is no evidence that they have done like or are trained to do so, but it's po probable. This says, dude, that is crazy, bro. They've taken love. Yeah, how dolphins. fucked would you be? You're like in the water at night doing this fucking secret mission. I'm gonna swim up. A oh, fucking yeah. dolphin comes out of the water and just <laughs> also <laughs> like. Teeth. Grabs you and pulls you down. You're fucked. I yeah. mean, we use we got killer guard dogs. I mean, how much different is it uh -huh. from that, really? You know, sweet I mean, dog. but dolphins seem so much of love. A lovely Belgian so mouse. That's how we get mad oh, when they're no, in our tuna. Dirty bastards. So yeah, they German. kill each other, dude. They, yeah. well, I've what? got another they story for you. <laughs> dolphin story. Hold there on. Was, dolphins um, are dirty. They rape yeah, they, each other. Yeah, they dude. rape each other. And they'll rape. They'll rape like females that like when you go pet them and shit. 
women they'll take that ass they'll take that ass everybody takes human a human ass we already everybody wants women ass Lady there ass. was a story a couple weeks ago about two pink river dolphins in the Amazon, and they were playing with this dead. There were two dude dolphins, and they were playing with this dead snake, and they were like rubbing their dicks against each other and the snake, and like this super weird, like sexual play thing. <laughs> it was super bizarre, and some guy caught it on camera. These fucking dolphins having a weird, uh, weird gangbang. Just banging <laughs> this. Dead snake. So the, hold on, you just told me that. <laughs> Dogs are in the necro. I mean, dolphins are in the necrophilia. Is that what you're saying? I, I think they were using the dead snake more as a sex toy. I don't know if it counts as necrophilia, but yeah, well, and some, some kind of thing. It's like that monkey that fucks that frog, you know? I mean, it's oh yeah, that's your favorite <laughs> nature. Video, nature's no, oh, I can't. I it, no, it really. You bumps feel it. bad for the frog? Uh-huh, it bumps me I, out. I hard. haven't seen it. Is it nature's wild? Of course, someone's gonna look for oh, it. Oh, right I now. yeah, I might love it up right now. <laughs> Will you look up the pink dolphins making love to the dead snake and see if we can find it? Well, it's a snake. I don't like snakes. That's why? Yeah, but the, oh, the, man, the that's frog so just wants been, to I was chill. doing snake research earlier today, like in Africa, about this flying snake from Namibia. What? There was also this dude in the Congo who, like, back in, like, the... 50s or 40s took this picture of what he said was like a 50 foot snake and he was a helicopter pilot and he like tried to get lower and the snake like started getting off the ground at him so he was like fuck that i don't know if and this they, is the photo's real it's legit like they tested it it's not photoshopped or anything oh, there's the sexy dolphins look at them Oh, they look it's gross, not that sexy. Too, don't they? Look at that neck. That looks like fat person neck. Oh yeah, Lizzo. That looks like yeah. That looks yeah. Like the, the freshwater dolphins are kind of weird looking. They yeah, they're not they as got cool. Chunky hot dog neck. Yeah, I think it's because their skin is kind of pink, like human skin. I'll fight so they, them. They yeah, like, they're weird looking. Yeah, yeah they they, that weird and disgusting dude. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, they're making love to dead snakes. That's so gross. That's so gross. So so. You know, we've discussed this a lot in the shows, like UFOs versus extraterrestrials, and you have an interesting theory. You kind of alluded it to it earlier, and uh, I want I, and I, you talked about it on the last show, but I want people to hear it on this show. Your B theory with these kind of interesting aircrafts that uh, that people see. Yeah, so this is definitely, um, again, this is my my secondary thought on a lot of the UFO stuff. And this came to me um, completely synchronistically. I first heard about it in Morocco um, five or six years ago. I was backpacking across the country, and um, I had, like, a little blog about the paranormal. I wasn't quite, you know, selling articles and stuff like I am now. Um <clears throat> But, you know, I was still, you know, on the backpacking scene, that guy who likes fucking weird paranormal shit, you know, going out to stone circles at midnight and weird shit like that. Um, And so a friend of a friend was like, oh, I got someone you need to meet. You need to talk to this guy. And so I met this this dude, this older guy at a roadside cafe um, outside of Tangier. And he proceeded to tell me some wild stories. Um, The gist of which was that he was the son of a CIA agent and he knew a bunch of intelligence people, including people who flew UFOs. 
and that UFOs were reverse engineered from honeybees. Um, that honeybees have what? this anti-gravity chamber in their thorax is what he said that, you know, allows them to fly. And that's the, the technology that UFOs are based on, um, which of course is crazy. Awesome story. I like instantly committed to memory. You know, you can't forget something like that. Um, I met him a second time and we met at his home in a place in Tangier, like a super rich, fancy neighborhood. And like the dude I met, I had not assumed would live in a, a mansion, you know, kind of place. He didn't work. He never had a job according to him. And he, you know, had these assets where it kind of validated his story. Nothing like, you know, a badge or no like paperwork or anything super legit, but there was some weird validation there. Um, and you know, years later I wrote about that weird interaction in my book when I was talking about Nazis and Nazi UFO technology. Um, there's the idea of the Nazi bell, this, you know, secret project that we know was real. We don't know what it was. Um, historians think it was an, a, uh, nuclear centrifuge, this kind of crucial piece in making an atomic weapon. Oh, is that what they were going to use that for? I heard it was for gravitational, like zero gravitational. Right, that's the fun, conspiratorial, more interesting theory is that it was an anti-gravity device. And of course, a bell kind of looks like a bee's thorax. And so I threw that in my book. And that was pretty much it. It was like three sentences. Like, hey, one time I met a crazy guy, and blah, blah, blah. Um, so after the book comes out, uh, like a few months later, it blows up unexpectedly. I'm on a bunch of podcasts. And this one dude has me on and it wasn't even a paranormal podcast. It was like a general subjects comedy show, but he read the book and that paragraph jumped out at him because, um, because he, as a a kid had this friend and his dad worked for the CIA worked for intelligence. They didn't really know what he did. All he would tell them is that he was a man in black, like, like the movies, um so they knew it had something to do with like aliens and ufos and when this guy was on his deathbed the son pressed him for more information and he said look at the bees and they had always assumed that it had something to do with the ways bees communicate or something like that until they read that paragraph in my book and they were like oh shit (laughs) that's probably what he meant um and so now i had two kind of crazy you know, totally non-reliable leads, but that's, that's too much of a, a coincidence. I had to look into it more. And I did find a bunch of weird scientific shit about how bees fly. It used to be a mystery for a long time. Now they think it's a special whirlwind pattern, but there's still this thing where honeybees in particular, when they're carrying pollen, they're using less energy. They're not beating their wings as fast. They're not breathing as fast. They're like, you know, flying, more efficiently and they still don't know how that's done i thought okay that's pretty weird um then i looked into you know some crazy weird conspiracy stuff and i found the writings of a russian entomologist a bug guy um named victor gorbinikov he lived in siberia um he was a professor he taught entomology and at the end of his life he wrote this memoir about a bunch of weird shit you know insect discoveries and all this other things he had accomplished in his life and 
he included this chapter about this flying craft he built um, based off of, he said it was the wing flaps of heavy flying insects. And he didn't specify, but he said pretty much any, like those cockroaches that can fucking fly at you. Oh, those I hate ones, they're the worst. Um, you know, scarab beetles potentially would have this, this wing flap feature. Um, bees any of these heavy outer shelled uh flying insects supposedly had this special pattern in their wing flaps that when he stitched a bunch of them together he made these blocks that could like defy gravity and when he put a bunch of the blocks together he had this little craft that was pretty much a pallet with handlebars like it looked like a scooter essentially that just ended in a wooden pallet and according to him this thing was capable of flight but not just flight incredible speeds, you know, totally up down, you know, impossible kind of, you know, floating essentially. And interestingly enough, when he first flew this craft around his university town and the papers the next day, people weren't saying, Oh, we saw a weird flying man. They said, we saw these glowing discs flying around the town. There was this whole UFO sighting. And he noted whenever he flew it, people wouldn't see a little scientist on a flying pallet. They would see triangles and discs and tic-tac shapes and these classic UFO shapes glowing different colors. Um, And the craft itself would cause all kinds of weird paranormal side effects. When he would drop something over the side the windows in the the town nearby would have these perfectly circular kind of melted holes throughout them, which was something that happened with the Mothman case when John Keel investigated that in uh, Point Pleasant. Um, It's something that pops up in a lot of famous UFO paranormal cases. Um, One incident, he dropped this vial and he actually found it fused inside of a window. Like it was, part of the window and um on other instances he would use this craft to fly out to his research sites and collect insect samples and he put larva in a a test tube put it in his pocket flew back to his lab and when he arrived the larva was fully grown something that would normally take weeks um and so that combined with the fact that there were a bunch of other ufos around you know people reporting them all over the globe he was like Someone else knows this and they're not talking about it. So I should probably stop using this for one, my health, because who knows what kind of weird shit's happening to me when I'm using this thing. But two, um, my, you know, uh, whoever else is in on this secret is keeping it on the low and they probably wouldn't want me, you know, blabbing about it. And so this was a super bizarre story. Um, I Victor Gabrinkov's a real person. He died in 2001, but he was a professor. He worked at a university. It's all documented. Wow. Um, what happened to this craft? No one really knows. Um, it could be in the hands of the Russian government. Uh, again, if it's just a flying pallet, it's probably not that useful militarily. But if 
the crazy dude in Morocco is to be believed, then the U.S. has already designed these entire crafts around what that same same concept. And so that's the kind of core of bee theory, this idea that, again, humans are responsible. And I think that's something important with all paranormal investigations. Once you throw out that possibility, you're kind of in loony town. You know, you've got to acknowledge that humans do exist and they do a lot of weird shit and that includes secret projects and you know hidden missions and all kinds of weird shit they make shit up too I'd lo- right. I love Looney Town. I would like to be mayor of Looney Town. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and again, back to the I'm a betting man. Statistically speaking, if you were to ask a, a statistician what theory, they, how they would rank the theories, B theory would probably be A theory for that exact reason, that we do know humans are weird and exist. We don't know how reality really works and, you know, different dimensions and that kind of stuff is again, mostly still in that sci-fi realm. If it is something as simple as bees, then yeah, the Nazis could have discovered that. Um, the Egyptians could have been using those principles to levitate those blocks, make them lighter, you know, so you and, and he put push these, them into place. These things um, under the pallets, what were they again? So these were these boxes that he made out of wing wing flaps, these hard exoskeleton wing flaps. Um, And he initially noticed that these flaps on their own, when he put them under a microscope, they would like float for a second and then come to rest. And so he stitched a bunch of them together until he got like almost like a chain mail kind of box of insect shells and he would tap this and it would fly up to the ceiling and kind of gingerly float down. There's, you know, supposed video of him testing this out and you can see it doing all this crazy physics. And after that, he got a bunch of the boxes and put it on this pallet. And supposedly when he, he hopped up, it would float. And, uh, you know, when there wasn't a ceiling for it to hit, it would kind of like, you know, depend on the weight and how he leaned it and the pressures he put, he could, you know, fly this craft. Damn, dude. Yeah, it's a weird story. It's a it's, crazy um, story, but I love it, dude. Uh, Sounds like a like I a- actually had a, a whole plan to go to Siberia. I wrote half a book about the subject, um, looking into all kinds of, you know, poltergeists and other stuff in that area, because those were other side effects of the the craft. And that was the thing that really stuck out to me is because the side effects of the craft he described was the exact same list of things that I wrote when I was comparing psychedelic phenomenon to paranormal phenomenon. And he, you know, is this bug scientist who just happened, even if he's making up the story, he just made up this, he matched this list that is decades of research. So if he's making up this story, he's really in the know on, you know, ufology and the side effects of these crafts and what people see and shit. Like if it's a, 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 fraud he's super dedicated to it (laughs) hats off and um yeah so here there we go there's some of that video footage of the supposed uh research here whoa and that's of uh, a wing so it would be the so you know how 
like the cockroaches, to use that example, they have that like chunky per- part on top of the wings. Yeah. And then they lift that up and the wings flap, you know, under it, behind it. That chunky, you know, chip-like uh, wing flap, that supposedly Now, I have seen, if, if things are pattern. very light, they can be affected by the heat of the air around them, right? Like the, the, the air current, you know what I'm saying? Like I've seen people do this with right. like paper and stuff. But you, if I want to see the one you're talking about with the, you know, where he stitches a bunch together. The box, know. yeah. Um, so it, we don't have examples of him physically stitching them together. Oh, that's cool. We have these that? examples of him testing them out with Dude, the, the individual crazy. flaps. And then there's some videos of him testing out the boxes, um, which I think might be there towards the end. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, that that portion there. So this oh, is one of the boxes. Supposedly, one of the boxes. Supposedly filled with those insect bits. What? What? That looked like some fucking Harry Potter shit. Yeah. And so again, it's bad video. You yeah, can almost it see it almost looks like it's pulled up with a string. It's not that convincing. Like it's definitely not the smoking gun. I wish it was. Um, but you know, he's a poor Siberian bug scientist, so this is <laughs> this is what they got. I love that. Yeah, you know I love he was, we do know he was real. And so his son was in contact with um researcher um who was running a website called KeelyNet. And Gurbinikov died in 2001, but his son was, you know, helping translate and share this material with this, this other researcher. And unfortunately, the guy who ran that website, who, he was deep into like all kinds of alternate technology, like orgone energy and all kinds of, uh, you know, using water as gasoline replacements, all kinds of alternate tech. He was deep in that stuff. And towards the end of his uh, life, he was into this Gurbinikov stuff. And unfortunately, he died and the whole thing is kind of just vanished. Well, you that's know. the shit the, the government wants happening. You to die uh, and disappear. Yeah, you know, I have no information on how this guy got got. Um, but if I get got, it's probably because I've been saying this B shit. <laughs> oh my! And the thumbnail, I don't, I couldn't find this in the video, but the thumbnail is actually, you know, showing Him levitating. Yeah, like on. Yeah, the- so that's the famous picture. I, there are no, as far as I've seen, there's a couple videos out there of like a Russian um, sign, uh, Russian soldier in this like. It looks similar to that, except it has like walls around it. It's like almost like a flying chariot. Um, and people say that's the craft, but that's actually from a, um, like that's a helicopter kind of device. Like it's, oh. it's a video from a totally different thing. They attribute it to, um, you know, this Gurbinikov tech. But then of course, someone always comes along and says, actually it's from that. And that's how you know the whole thing's fake. Um, so it does, it does seem like it's been, they've interjected some bits to make it seem, you know, less than believable. But again, you know, the video is not solid proof. The story is crazy. My two sources are uh, one, a shadowy dude from Morocco and two, a dead guy who was a friend of a friend of his dad. <laughs> so it's, I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent in on this being truth, but it's it's certainly interesting and it's, it's certainly something that's so you know worth considering crazy, when you think about these subjects dude. it is so crazy i i like the world is just so much more interesting 
Well, Chaz, we're, you know, do you want to get into psychedelics and the paranormal real quick? And if you got any stories about that, or did we talk about that earlier? Because I think, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, I always want to get into psychedelics because, yeah, back when I was doing those Ouija board experiments and stuff, definitely doing it too often there there can be why would you do that like, dude come it. over we're gonna do some shrooms and fuck with the ouija i'd be sounds, like nope ah uh, busy nope. gotta do my hair tonight nope. gotta stay sounds home like fuck around and find out that's fuck all around, i hear you that. find out yeah. tell me what you found out <laughs> I'll, I'll be at home dude don't even want to get near that well, shit you want to fucking play the exorcist while we fucking no, play the ouija no, board while you're at it no like can you make it any worse dude no way. I don't <laughs> fuck with Ouija at all, dog. Yeah, so it's one of those things. And I actually think the Ouija board's a good example of 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 how the paranormal interacts with us. And, you know, when you there's definitely some like creepy ass, legit Ouija shit out there where people have weird experiences. I know someone who, you know, was using a board one night. You know, when they were younger, they thought it was they were maybe up there for an hour and they like came downstairs and it was sun up like they lost all this time, um, which, again, is something that shows up in UFO cases and shit, too. And under psychedelics, that's one of the, the similarities that missing time, because I've done that while tripping. I've stared at the wall and thought I was doing it for like two minutes. <laughs> and I like looked down and it's been three hours. Um, <laughs> Right? Time travel, bro. It happens. Well, and it happens Xanax. the other way too, right? You you could be doing something that you think is taking forever, but really it took you like two seconds to cook that hot pocket. You know what I mean? Like it did, you thought you were on the longest trip. Uh, Do you guys ever. eat while you're doing shrooms? No, I don't. Um, you know, I just fart and think I shit my pants. That's the all. The trick I do is the making the tea. <laughs> oh so god, you make the tea, pants. and without the like pieces of mushroom, you strain them out. You're less queasy, I find. Um, <laughs> but yeah, missing time, and then you have, of course, um, the viewing of strange worlds. Right, people who get abducted by aliens we'll see these weird impossible landscapes, um, you know, crazy creatures and things like that. Someone who takes too much psychedelics or strong enough psychedelics sees the exact same thing, right? You know, we talk all the time about DMT realms and things like that. And most of these, uh, you know, UFO experiences where people see different worlds, it really just sounds like a person describing their first trip, like when they take a really that, that heavy dose true, of something. Dude. That is true. Uh, right? It, it, it has this this definite similarity. But I I don't want it to be confused that, you know, I'm saying it, the phenomenon's purely psychedelic. It's all happening in your head because that's clearly not true. The reason it's paranormal is because it has a physical effect on our reality, right? We <laughs> In ghost cases, we have doors that slam on themselves, glasses that shatter across the, the window. In extreme cases, poltergeist cases, you have, you know, voices screaming. You have information appearing, right? These entities know things where treasures buried, you know, local gossip. There's these information that comes through. Um, but you also have definite physical things where aliens, you've got, you know, the anal probing. Barney Hill, one of the famous cases of, of abduction, one of the first cases of abduction, he had a thing attached to his junk 
And afterwards, he had a ring of pimples around where it was suctioned what? on. So there's a oh. physical effect happening. Oh, my and, God. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty rough. They should wash that off, those aliens. You think yeah. they, <laughs> they've mastered space travel, but they don't know about hygiene. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, again, some fishy details. Like um, that combination? But, that shit's crazy. Some of it looks like high tech. What cow the cow, cow mutilations? Oh, yeah. Cow oh, yeah. mutilations definitely one of the the weirdest aspects of the phenomenon. You know, it's um, precise. You know, cuts. usually in association with these craft, but oftentimes also associated with different monsters. You know, through Latin America, you have the chupacabra, who's said to so suck the blood out of goats, leave these you know perfectly drilled holes in them. Um, and Namibia, you have this flying snake, this nine to twenty foot snake. Oh my that god! Farmers nope. say flies down the uh -huh. hills. It's got smoke coming out of its ears, and it nope. drains the blood out of these animals. And it leaves soot. It leaves this brown, this dust, oh, which wow. again is super similar to UFOs. It's yeah. the same thing as a, a farmer in Utah describing. Uh, well, it's not the same thing, right? The farmer in Utah describes a metallic disc, but the result's the same. The animals bled dry, and there's this strange, you know, burnt material around the body. There's this. But doesn't this sound like, right? Doesn't dust. this sound like if you were a farmer in South America who had never seen modern technology, yeah. metals, and things like yeah. that, how you might describe it? Why it's like the cargo cults, you know, in the in the yeah. islands. Yep. It, it, it's a very similar. Do you know about this? No. Cargo cults. Uh, it's it's planes. It, it, these British uh, cargo planes would land in these islands in I, I think like Southeast Asia, maybe populated by tribes who had never had any contact with outside oh, civilization damn. before, and religions sprouted up around these planes that would land there around like whatever the king of england like was Harry and shit. yeah yeah like the, the royals at the time and they they like worship them now yeah that's so, crazy yeah. Or, or like or cargo cult. or like the cargo planes where they accidentally drop food and they don't know who it's coming from they just think it's a god like that, look at a god that's dropped that literally off. a movie the gods have got god's yeah. gone the gods yeah. have gone crazy yeah. it's why that's the, what the movie's based on uh-huh yeah, they'll, start, um, yeah, the they'll start dancing and shit for that yeah look at that like, Damn. see how they built this, uh... <laughs> they that is so uh, crazy, bro. Idol to the gods. That is so crazy. It's like their cross. It's pretty accurate. Like, if you look at it, all they it's missing, I mean, is, all it's missing is a good, engine. Dude. That looks like the best fucking... Well, it makes you wonder what the people who created the modern religion saw back in the day. You know? Oh, like, yeah, for sure. I mean, dragons well, I and all that stuff. Like, what if yeah, dinosaurs are actually what, just oh, dragons? Look at these guys. Well, that's what's so shocking they about this. They got glasses. Snake. Say um, that again? That's what's so weird about the Namibian snake blood-sucking one is that it has this, supposedly, this bright light. And so from a distance, it looks just like a bright orb like a bright sphere and this is something that's really popped up in a lot of the paranormal is that these things look like spheres until you get close enough to see them and then they look like whatever the fuck there's werewolf fucking creatures they've got bigfoot you've got reports of him coming out of a sphere you've got these snakes coming out of these spheres or morphing into these um and it's it really is. Uh, it, it's beyond just, you know, cultural belief. And 
in Namibia specifically, they did this wild scientific study where they got these Kalahari Bushmen, these people from the these like remote desert regions, to do this test where they were trying to find colors. And so there were like eight um, green spheres, green circles, and one blue circle. And they couldn't differentiate between the eight green and the one blue but they showed them eight nine green circles where one of them's just the slight shade different to you and i we can't tell it like i can't pick it out for the fucking life of me um they can pick it instantly it's like the same as us picking the blue one out and again our vision our concept of shit is entirely different and this goes back to ancient history um you know in all the greek epics and stories there's never once the mention of the color blue um, what? in odysseus's uh in the odyssey um they describe the ocean as wine colored um, they never, it's never called blue. There's never any Why is that? terminology of blue. What's, what's and, the logic well, behind they, that? It, there's like a linguist argument to it, which is super in depth and super boring. Um, I love that kind of shit. I think language is really I'll interesting listen to it. Tell me what you think. But, well, I'm, I'm not even qualified to get into. Well, if you go to, Do you know, the this, show you're on, nobody's qualified. <laughs> well, we just say well, shit. It gets into like this ancient language terminology for a color that is similar. And it kind of sounds like blue. Like it's a whole different thing, but there's the other school of thought that the, the color blue didn't exist until it did until it became a concept until someone first labeled that as blue. And then we could all mm. see blue as a different color. I and talked about this, for yeah. these, these Crazy. populations of people who haven't had the same exposures and educations and, you know, pressed in confirmation of what confirmed reality is. They physically see shit differently down to colors. Um, and so once we understand how the fuck that happens, I think we'll be a lot further to understanding what the fuck a UFO and a Bigfoot is. I agree with all this, man. And like uh, we talk about it on the show, I, I know when people hear that, they're probably like, okay, what are you going to say that you said a thousand times? But, uh, <laughs> but it's like when, when we look into an, when we look into modern science, right? The argument mm -hmm. between uh, germ theory and terrain theory, and let's just say, I know Johnny's not into it, but if you if you train somebody, you know, a virus versus exosomes, right? You train somebody, it's you tell them it's a virus, that's what they see it as well, a virus. I, I, I think the terrain theory, I believe, in is what the, that last lady we had on talked about, you know, where she believes in viruses, but she believes in treating the whole organism. Yeah. And that's... No, I'm fine uh, with that. And again, like... Well, I she calls have, herself a terrain theorist. Right, right, right. I, but I, I my whole point is, is like, if you, if you aren't shown something, can you see it? If you, you know, if you're, if you're taught... Well, that's all that all of science was, right? I mean, there was a time when nobody knew shit. And right. then they just yeah, so, figured it um, out. I think well, I'm, I'm not, I'm again paranormal. I'm not qualified to talk on any virus stuff, so I won't, but I read a, a really good book that kind of gets into all of these issues and concepts from that kind of logical linguist standpoint. And that um, it's Dr. Raymond Moody's, the theory of nonsense, I think it is. 
And Raymond Moody's famous for coining the the term near death experience. Like he's deep into the the research on on consciousness and, and you know its existence afterwards and and close to the moment of death. Um, and but this book is purely about our linguistics and how it shapes our reality and specifically when it comes to how we use nonsense. Right. And it first starts with trying to shift off that negative connotation to nonsense because, you know, people dismiss that as, Oh, that's nonsense. And now every time I hear that, I'm like, that person doesn't have a good argument is what that means because nonsense by its very nature is not true or fake. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it means nothing. It's meaningless. It's, it's nonsense. And the reality is we use nonsense to fill in the areas of shit we don't understand. Um, and that comes to religion, right? A lot of religion is nonsense. literal nonsense, right? Obviously not all the animals in the world can fit on an ark, right? But the universe probably wasn't made in seven days. You know, like those statements are, are nonsensical. But we use the same kind of nonsense as fillers in science, right? The Big Bang Theory there was nothing and then it exploded into everything that statement is nonsense it doesn't mean anything there's no logical you can't derive logical meaning from it would a theory be considered nonsense what's that would a theory be considered nonsense well it it depends and so that's why the book's a really valuable read is because it gets into how to qualify nonsense and there's like like um, I think 20 different uh, types of nonsense and it gets into, you know, deliberate nonsense and then, you know, nonsense used for negative reasons. And then, you know, nonsense used for positive reasons. Most of our children's books and things, right. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. Dr. Seuss and shit. And it makes us feel good. And again, when we go to church, you listen to some stuff, it makes you feel good. <laughs> and so it is valuable. And, and it's kind of about reshaping the idea of, you know, things can be true and false and things can be false. And then things can also be not, there's this third factor that can be nonsense, which doesn't mean anything now, but it has the potential to become truth, right? That's what chemistry was. It was alchemy. It was made up words tied to these substances that these dudes would say to themselves aloud because they thought it had magical properties to say them while they were mixing chemicals in their castle dungeons and getting high. <laughs> and that nonsense has morphed into the thing that has given us, you know, plastic and nuclear bombs. And so it, it turned from nonsense into to reality and so again a lot of people will look at paranormal phenomenon um as one of these you know things of nonsense but that doesn't mean it's to be dismissed it actually means it's something worthwhile worth investigating um because it it has the potential to be true if you can make it mean something then you can know if it's true or false i i think it so so nonsense is means it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Is that what we're talking about? Right. You can't. You can't get meaningful information from from a piece of nonsense. Right. But again, um, I hate to harken on it, but the Big Bang is the perfect example because it is accepted science. It's science, but it the statement everything blew up, nothing blew up into everything. Is it's like <laughs> saying a peach is apple, like that. 
that doesn't that's not a meaningful piece of information or the hair 12 6 5 2 o'clock on a on a melon drop nonsense that doesn't mean any it's the same alice in wonderland shit it's interesting it makes our mind it activates our mind in a weird way um but it, it creates you know meditative states and things like that but it's not it's not true or false doesn't it doesn't answer no the facts. question it doesn't answer a question right in right. a way it doesn't, it doesn't provide anything meaningful. It has an effect, but it doesn't provide anything meaningful. And again, a lot of paranormal phenomenon falls into that category. It has an effect. Um, sometimes it is meaningful, right? Sometimes it fucking kills a cow. But a lot of the time, the majority of the time, it's meaningless. When you see these people, these preachers who talk to God and they have these doomsday predictions and they never come, right? They're like, oh, whoops, we got the date wrong next time. Interesting, and dude. It's super there's, there's a chance these people are really communicating with, with paranormal information. They, they might be getting the information from somewhere, you know, beyond. They might be pulling that out of their ass, but they might be in touch with something but the majority of the time paranormal information is nonsense it's not useful it's not real or tangible sometimes it is and so that's the the difficulty of paranormal investigating and that's the real truth of it is trying to find the pieces of nonsense that we can confirm into something real into something tangible so it becomes um, confirmation so nonsense is something that you that has an effect, but with no evidence, let's say. There's no actual evidence of it, it but it does have an effect. And it, it is nonsense right. until evidence shows up to prove it as factual. Is that what we're talking about? Pretty much, right. And again, it, the check out the book. I'm going to great lengths to plug that book. I, I, What's it called? Hey, one more Dr. Time. Raymond Mooney, how about some love coming back the other way? Uh, <laughs> What's the name of the book again? But, Check it out because it is, it's such a valuable, like it, to rework the way you think about, you know, not just concepts like religion, science, and the paranormal, but you'll, you'll start seeing it in everyday shit and you'll just be able to pick up like, oh, that guy just doesn't know what they're talking about. Like they're, they're thinking about it from a, a dogmatic point of view and they don't even realize it because, you know, <laughs> people will take nonsense and accept it as fact without knowing if it is. And because it's easy, it's comfortable. Um, yeah, I think we all do it to making the sense to get of by. nonsense. I like that dude. Yeah. Check it out. All of his stuff's good. Again, if you're really it's not into even like that long. consciousness and the other one, it said 35 pages. That's a preview. I, hey, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm down with a three-five-page book. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a little long. I think it's about 200 pages. I've got a copy around here somewhere. There's nothing wrong with that, dude. There's nothing wrong uh, with that. Chaz. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely um, valuable thought exercises, I think, um, you know, because it, it, it is. It's an uh, undeniable fact of our reality is that we exist with – nonsensical shit every single day and we kind of just accept it and roll with it and you know suddenly when certain ideas are maybe challenging or difficult people are like oh well it's it's just nonsense and they say that in one breath while believing 
a specific variety of nonsense in the other. You know, you've got atheists who hate Christians, but both of them are subscribing to their own brand of faith. Um, nonsense and again that's not to be dismissive and say those beliefs aren't valid or useful again the evidence is quite to the contrary nonsense has a very physical effect on our brain we again use it to start teaching our children language um you know sounds and dr seuss lewis carroll these famous english writers write nonsense and for whatever reason it feels good it's kind of like trying to make trying to pick the story out of, of, you know, fake words and impossible scenarios. It's like solving a puzzle and it's, it's really good for people. It's beneficial. And again, religions kind of monetize that concept in a lot of, of places. They understand this and they, you get your weird buzz, your weird nonsense buzz and confirmation and you feel good. Um, but again, it can have that negative effect too. Going back to that Ouija board shit, where if you're if you look at the evidence of the creepy Ouija board cases, it's almost always like Catholic schoolgirls in Latin America, and that's because that's the demographic that believes that shit the most, right? Oh, They're yeah. full. Yeah. The more so you that, believe it, the more it, it's all, well, the more you invite it in, and you know they've done. Uh, experiments i i'm not technically if it's an experiment but they've taken these ouija boards and put like say it's something similar to like a stack of coins underneath them so you would know then if it was moved by some spirit it would slide from the bottom and the stack of you know the stack of things and if it was moved by hands you know if it was people intentionally doing it then they would they would slide they would shift like that and it's always the hand it's like people moving it with their minds you get what i'm saying so either either yeah, it's not that, or it's the mind is somehow possessed, I, which, which is I even totally scarier. Agree. Which is but, even scarier. But it's like very interesting because the more you believe in something, the more you let it in, and which to me is like trolls, right, on the internet, mm. right? <laughs> when you when you yes. don't block them, they you and you interact with them. The more power they get, they come back. But Every when, troll you interact with comes back. Yeah. So well, it depends on so, how you interact with them, though, right? Because if you just give them, like, I, I used to, my thing was just to, I'd follow people and then they'd be like, oh, hey, dude, I actually like you, you know, and then it'd be over. So, do you know what I mean? No, I get that. But, I mean, I, I'm just at a place where they're just saying there's nasty some ruth, shit. There's some ruthless trolls And I out just there. block them and it's like, oh, they just all go away and they live on <laughs> subreddits where. They love being blocked, too, though. I mean, they all screen capture it and, like, hey, Sam, block yeah, me. Yeah, well, enjoy that. Up? Put it on your fucking wall with your participation trophies, you scouts, fucking boring like person. Enjoy that well, shit. It's, it's- Wild you say that because it, the there's a very popular theory, the trickster theory um, out there. The trickster and the paranormal was, uh, I forget who written wrote it, but it's a good book, kind of gets into this theory um, that, you know, uh, Passport to Magonia, Jacques Vallée also wrote on this theory, good book on the same concept, that paranormal phenomenons are the same trickster entity wearing different masks and its main goal it, it seems to be is to fuck with you <laughs> that really one hun- dude seem- one listen it's like Ari Shafir everything every, <laughs> like I'm in this place right now where I'm like if I cut off paying attention to anything on the news and I just live my life 
it is amazing how yep. none of this stuff affects yeah. me. Like, if I don't get emotionally involved in food shortages, baby formula shortages, monkeypox shit, and I just don't put it any energy into it. Occasionally, I like to drop some heckler bombs on Twitter just because that's just my nature, but I don't emotionally it's run around like, ah, oh my God, you know, and I'm not going nuts to this craziness I see on the screen. I've been doing this for a couple months and I've yet to feel blowback from you it. You know what I think it's been? It's you're been you've been busy. Like it's hard when you're busy to go on Twitter for two, three hours, other than just Oh no, I, I creep on Instagram, bro. Uh -huh. I creep on Instagram. <laughs> that, Make that no illusions of that. It's hard. I not creep to. on Instagram, bro. What's your account? No, don't worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about what my what are you trying to do, man? Why would I tell you my account that I'm creeping well, on? Because it's not his normal one, is what I mean. It's like of his, course it's it no, can't be. I have a creeper account <laughs> that I creep. It's like that old Hicks bit, you know, he's like you you Turn on CNN, rape, murder, a suicide. Then you, you, open, hey, you, you open your door outside and it's like, Johnny, do you have one? Well, I could. Uh, uh, fuck it, burner why are you on this? Yeah, uh, what, what are you stuck on burner what are you, you're like Chris Neff. Have you ever seen any point shaving going on? No, because I feel like I should make one now. I feel like I do. The fact that you don't have a creeper account. Should I have one? Is how do you not have a creeper account? Like, that's the whole point, you creep. There's even a name. It's called a Finsta-gram. I mean, that's a Finsta account. Yeah, what about, well, what are you doing that, that my account can't have? Like, Well, because... Well, it's because, dude, you don't, want, you don't want somebody going on there and seeing that all you follow is 300 hot black-ass chicks. I mean, yeah, that's what it's I mean, oh, I don't care. Oh, I don't on. care. They can find out, dude. Yeah, I mean, you're also super young. You don't have a girlfriend. You don't have all this that's shit. That's why I'm wondering if I should. That's why I asked Johnny if he did. He's like, I do, too. I'm like, all right, so then I should just Everybody make one. Everybody should have a creeper right, account, a new... but you don't really like... For me, creeper accounts aren't really like to interact with people. Well, it's because he doesn't want some chick knowing, like, oh, Sam Tripoli followed me. Let me, you know, let me put his ass. I just on like to creep and watch. That's why and, it's like, creepy. I'll hit a like on some creepy ass shit, dog. <laughs> creeper gonna creep, bro. It happens. You want to catch up with some girl from high school, but you don't want her to know you're catching up with her, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, no, the girls my age at my school, like, you don't creep on them. You're like, right. your kids are gorgeous. Hey, congratulations. That's all you're doing with girls from my class. What about, what, what, uh, Crazy. She's got a crazy. Starts with a C. What the the one hot chick you were oh, talking about? Oh, Carissa. Yeah, Carissa. Yeah. Yeah. She, I, well, I don't have to creep with her. <laughs> she already knows. <laughs> um. But yeah, Chaz. Great episode, man. It was uh, it was uh, a fun roller coaster of uh, chaos. I loved it. It was a great episode. You killed it. Thank you so much. One more time, Chaz. Where can they find you? Oh yeah, thanks for having me on. You can find uh, all my stuff at chazofthedead.com. I'm on all the social medias at Chaz of the Dead. Um, yeah, check all that stuff out. Stay up to date with my articles. You can find my book, Patreon, all that kind of stuff um, where I write about weird stories. If you like the stuff you heard today, go check out the book. That's Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. It's a story of psychedelics, Nazis, and an expedition to the edge of the world. Um, so check well, it out once again, send me all your links again. And I know you asked me about Rockfin. I, I guess I didn't follow up on that. Are you still interested? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'll, I'll make that happen, buddy. Sorry about cool. that. I just got super busy, but, uh, we'll no make that happen. 
And uh, I got to get you on the Union of the Unwanted as well. We do a lot of uh, UFOs, and it's uh, my panel show with a couple buddies of mine. And it's like, every time we do it, it's the best conversation on the internet. It's just such a wonderful conversation. So uh, it's always fun. Chaz, you killed it, man. Thank you so much. I am in Jacksonville, I think, on the June 16th or 17th. If you got a girl you want to bring a, a guest, I'll gladly put you on the list. Yeah, definitely. Me and my girlfriend would love to uh, to come see you. That'd All right. Be awesome. Chaz, thanks so much, guys. Great. Hey, Michigan, Daddy's Coming, Holland, and Grand Rapids. Come get weird. Buy your tickets now. And, uh, man, I hope you guys enjoy it. This has been a great week of I think every show's had some fucking fire in it, and it's been a lot of fun. So I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, you know, we were just talking the other day uh, about how, like, Tim Fall Hat's still in the top 100 on Apple Podcast Shows, which shows more and more people are subscribing. That's the only way you stay up there. So thank you so much for that. Spreading the word, telling everybody we love you. We try to put out the best episodes we can with the most interesting people. Today's episode's one of those, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And we try to take your suggestions to get people on. So thank you for everything. And uh, and, and ha- uh, hope to see you in Michigan and then next week in Ohio. Take care, everybody. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack, tin foil hack, tin foil hack.